Rolo. Okay, hello. All right, hey, we're conducting a series uh, titled Jesus's Healing Crusade. And, uh, you know, I've been to some healing crusades, as I've mentioned, over the many years by various ministers. And, uh, you know, I've often wondered what it would be like to attend one of Jesus's healing crusades and to follow him around. And we have the next best thing uh, to actually being there. We have the holy written word of God so we can go into the Bible and follow Jesus around in his healing ministry and be right there by his side as he heals the people. And we'll continue, of course, with this series today. And I'm trusting that your faith will be built. God's healing power will flow and many will be healed, both in this sanctuary and over social media, YouTube, etc. And uh, I'll teach the Bible. The healing power of God will flow. And it's up to you. Now, it's up to you to receive that power to affect a healing and a cure in your body. OK, and if you'll follow along over the next many Sundays, I sense, as I've told you before, I sense in my heart, some people are going to be healed of things that have plagued them for a long time. So uh, let's go to Acts 10.38, Acts 10.38. And this is our main verse for this whole series. We're going to be on this for, for a good long while. And, uh, but it's good to follow Jesus in his healing, healing meetings and, and so forth. And Acts 10.38 says how God, you know, God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth. And remember that's making reference, the of Nazareth is making reference to his humanity. So the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And you see it's that power that heals people. And the, the Greek word for that is dunamis, and, in, and it translates over in English as dynamite. And so Jesus was anointed with the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit to bring about healings and cures in people's bodies and minds and so forth. And he went about with that power doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. See, the devil is the oppressor. He's the bad one. God's the good, the good one, you know. And sickness and disease is of the devil. Don't ever forget that. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, I've had a couple of questions and things concerning, uh, you know, when I make reference to Jesus operated in the earth... Though he was God, he didn't operate as God. He operated as a man. And I've had a few questions about that. So it just seems good to the Holy Spirit maybe to take a few moments before we dive in, back into Jesus' healing ministry and just say a few things about this. Uh, so let's do that. Uh, you need to know who Jesus is and how he operated. And so Jesus, the second member of the Trinity, God the Son... 100% God, co-equal with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, became 100% man through the virgin birth, yet still being 100% God. Did, did you follow that? The Son of God and the Son of Man. 100% God, 100% man. You know, Jesus is the unique person of all time. There's nobody like him and there never will be anybody like him. He's the only human being that can claim deity. Do you realize that? 100% God, 100% man. Uh, Jesus is the unique son of God. Now think about this. When we place our faith, when we repent of our sins and place our faith in Jesus, we become sons of God, do we not? Yes, we do. We become children of God. The Bible says we're all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So when we place our faith in him, we become sons and daughters of God. But you see, Jesus is more than the son of God. He's God the son. Did you just get what I said right there? Did, did you get that? He's God the son. See, see, I'm a son of God. You're a son of God, daughter of God, if you've received Jesus. But you're, but you're not God, neither am I. Can you say amen to that? Amen. See, but he's God the Son. And uh, never forget this, mankind has never been God, is not God, never will be God. Only Jesus, Jesus is the only human being 
that can claim deity. So you need to understand that. But look at the book of John. And John brings this out to a good degree. John, the first chapter and the first verse says, In the beginning was the Word. See, before Jesus took on human form, he was known as the Word, the second member of the Trinity. Uh, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Okay? We're talking about the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But in this case, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, look at this. All things were made through him, and without him nothing uh, was made that was made. Jesus created uh, the universe. He created you and me. Did he not? Yes, he did. And the second member of the Trinity, and it says, verse 4, In him was life, and life was the light of men. But skip down to verse 14. It says this, And the Word became what? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's the virgin birth right there. The Word, the second member of the Trinity, became flesh. And it says, We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, notice this says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So the second member of the Trinity takes on human form and becomes Jesus of Nazareth. See, the of Nazareth indicates his humanity. So God became a man. And you see God, then the Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with Power and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So here you see the word becomes flesh. And then what I like too is the word became flesh, and and the word also we have the word in written form, don't we? You can't separate Jesus from this Bible. If you want to know what Jesus looks like, open your Bible and start reading. It's pretty awesome that we hold God's holy written word in our laps as we hold our Bibles. So the word was made flesh and and, uh, became Jesus of Nazareth. 100% God, 100% man. But look at this. Let's go a little further into this. Look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I just sensed we needed to spend a little time with this. Uh, because, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll say, well, Jesus didn't operate as God, though he was God. And I go over that real quick. And a lot of times people, I think, you know, get a little, can get a little bit confused over that. So I don't want any confusion. Notice here in Philippians 2, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Watch this. It says, though he was God, speaking of the second member of the Trinity, the Word, Jesus Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Now think about that. You know, we think about the awesome price Jesus paid dying on the cross, and that's awesome. The most awesome price of all that was paid. But he paid a great price becoming a man, didn't he? I mean, didn't he? He he paid a great price becoming a man. He... When he became a man, gave up his divine privileges. See, have you ever heard me say he operated in the earth? Though he was God, he didn't operate as God. He operated as a man. See, he never called on his divine privileges here in the earth as he operated. And the Bible tells us he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born of a human being. See, that's the virgin birth. When he appeared in human form. Look at, look at, let's read this again in the Amplified Classic. It'll be on the screen for you. The Amplified Classic says, Who, although being essentially one with God, this is talking about Jesus, and in the form of God, possessing the fullness of the attributes which make God God, did not think this equality with God was a thing to be eager, eagerly grasped or, re, or retained, but stripped himself. Think about that. Stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity. Now, uh, the Greek actually, and Young's literal, literal translation brings this out, that Jesus emptied himself. 
The second member of the Trinity, let me say it right. The second member of the Trinity emptied himself of his divine privileges and he laid those aside and became a human being just like you or me. I mean, that just makes me love him all the more. How about you? Just that if you were God, would you want to become a man? (laughs) Absolutely not. But Jesus did because he loved us so much. So he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant or a slave and that he became like men and was born a human being. My goodness. You know, I think about that movie Superman 2. Remember Christopher Reeve all those years ago? He did, he did Superman 1, 2, 3 and so on and so forth. But in Superman 2, I won't go through all, all of the set to set the, set the thing up, but something happened where he, he had a chance to marry Lois Lane. But to marry Lois Lane, he had to lay down his superpowers. Now I remember he went into this booth and, uh, now I wouldn't have done it if I was Superman. Have you ever looked at Lois Lane? I wouldn't, I wouldn't give up my superpower for Lois Lane. <laughs> at least the Lois Lane that played Lois Lane back there then. Is, I wouldn't give up my superpowers for her. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have said that. But, but. I'm the truth the truth. I'm telling the truth. Anyway, forgive me. So anyway, but Superman, uh, he he uh, he went in that booth and uh, and the lights flashed and uh, and he came out and he was just Clark Kent. He was no longer Superman. He was Clark Kent. I mean, you can you relate how Jesus laid down his powers as God and became a man? I shared that about Superman to get you to think. Superman, think about that, faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, leap tall buildings in a single bound, my goodness, look, up in the sky, he can fly, this bird is playing, that's Superman, huh? And he laid all that down so that he could marry Lois Lane. And so he went in the booth, comes out, Clark Kent, no superpowers, and him and Lois, you know, they're driving along and they stop at a diner and there's a bully in the diner. How many remembers that? Do you remember there's a bully in the diner? And, and so, so they had a little altercation and, and the bully went off on Clark Kent. The bully hit Clark Kent, right? The, now normally, before he laid down his superpowers, you hit, you hit, you hit Superman, you're going to break your hand. Is that right? But in this case, he broke Clark, Clark Kent's jaw, you know, so to speak. Gave him bloody nose. He didn't break the jaw, but bloody, bloodied him up and beat the tar out of him. Now you think about that. Think about Superman being beaten, just beat the tar out of, but he laid down his powers, didn't he? And, uh, and as the story goes, I, I, I like the ending. Something happened somehow or other later on. He was able to go back in that booth and reverse, reverse the charges and he got his, he flashed the lights, he got his powers back, you know. And then he went back to that diner and that bully was there. And that bully recognized Clark Kent, but he didn't know that, you know, he got his powers back. This time when he hit Clark Kent in the jaw, guess what happened? The bully broke his hand. And then Clark Kent, who was now back with his superpowers, you know, spun him around and slid him down the bar and beat the tar out of him, you know. Can you say amen? (laughs) Well, you know what? Jesus laid... (laughs) Well, I'm trying to show you an example. It's a good one, don't you think? Because, see, Jesus laid down his, his divine privileges. But let's read on here in, in, in Philippians 2, verse 8 in the Amplified here. And after he had appeared in human form, he abased and humbled himself still further, carried his obedience to the extreme of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, Watch this, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. 
See, what happened was, is Jesus laid down, just like Superman, you know, laid down, you know, and he became Clark Kent. We just went through that, but he got his powers back, didn't he? Didn't he? Didn't he? I just told you he did. Well, Jesus, he became a human being and he operated in his earthly ministry, uh, not as God, but as a man. But, you know, he went to the cross as the, as the spotless son of God and, and the son of man. And he hung there, you know, on behalf of you and me. He died there. He was buried on the third day. He was risen from the dead. And he said that when he came out of that tomb, he said, all authority in heaven and in earth has been given unto me. See, he got that power back. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen? And now he sits at the right hand of almighty God, the right hand of power. And he's God almighty God, a man, God, a human being, the unique person of the ages, God and man. Can you say amen? He has those divine powers back. The healing power of God that flows belongs to Jesus. Praise God. He got them back. Glory to God. Boy, that excites me. But he operated in the earth not as, a, not as God, but as a man. Anointed by the Holy Ghost. Now, you know, you know that's true because I just read it to you. But think about this. Remember, Jesus looked at a coin one time. How many of you know he looked at a coin one time? And he said, he asked, whose inscription is this? Now, if he was operating as God, he wouldn't need to ask anybody that, would he? Remember when the woman with the issue of blood touched him? He said what? Who? Touched me. If he's operating as God, he doesn't have to ask that question, does he? Uh, you know, Jesus, before he chose the 12 apostles, he prayed all night. Before he chose them. Now, if he's operating as God, he doesn't have to pray all night. To choose them, he'd already know who to choose. Is that correct? The Bible says that God can't be tempted with evil. Was Jesus ever tempted? The Bible says in all points like as we are yet without sin. Well, how can that be? God can't be tempted yet we see Jesus being tempted. How do you explain that? He wasn't operating in, in the earth as God. He was operating as what? As a man. And then remember Jesus went to sleep. Didn't he sleep? Did he ever go to sleep? Do we see that? The Bible says God never sleeps nor slumbers. How do you reconcile the two? Jesus wasn't operating as God. He was operating as a man. You see that? It's important that you understand that. Now, now there, see, I've explained it to you. And uh, see, when I just say he operated as, a, 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 as a man and not as God, sometimes that throws people off. Do you feel like you have a little better understanding of it now? And then here's something else I was asked. And I think it's a great question. Remember, I made the statement that Jesus had the anointing without measure. And we have it with measure. Well, look, if you would, at John 3, 34. We'll read this in the King James. And uh, let's read it in the King James, because I think it brings it out the best. John the Baptist said of Jesus, For he whom God hath sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. What is that saying? That Jesus had the spirit without measure. But we, as ministers of the gospel, I as a minister of the gospel, you as believers, we all have the anointing that Jesus had, but we don't have it without measure. We have it with measure. And the question is, well, explain that a little bit more, Pastor Terry. What, is, what does that mean? Well, let me say it this way. And I'll do my best to explain it. There may be more that could be said, but I'll do my best. Obviously, Jesus stands in a class by himself. The sinless, matchless son of God, God the son. But having said that, let me say this. He also stood in all five of the ministry offices. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Now, no man other than Jesus has ever stood in all five of those. Now, men can stand in more than one. And, uh, and I stand in, in two of the five. And uh, sometimes, remember, Timothy was a pastor. And remember, Paul said to him, do the work of an evangelist. So you see, men, women, as they're anointed by the Spirit, can flow in 
in apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you know, can, can, can stand in those. But no man now, over all these 2,000 years, has ever stood in all five of them at the same time. Only Jesus stands in all five of them, stood in all five of them, okay? But, but a man could stand in more than one. I stand in two of them. Sometimes I get to skirt a third one, but there's two of them I never really operate in at all. I'm not an apostle, you know, but we'll just, we'll just, I don't want to get off on me, but uh, I've seen a couple of men over the years say that they've stood in all five of them. And every last one of them that said it, they're just as squarely as can be. There's no one man stands in all five, five of those ministry offices. Only Jesus. So as he stood in all five, he'd need that anointing without measure, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely he would. And, uh, and so, uh, and, 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 and so I could say more about it, but I think that, that should help to answer that question. Uh, he is he, he, a matchless, sinless son of God. He had that power without measure. But think about this. And then we'll get back into the healing miracles of Jesus. When he was in the earth, he was the only body of Christ that was in the earth. Correct? And so the fullness of the Spirit set upon him. But now he's in heaven and we are in the earth as his body, members individually, but there's multitudes of us. Is that correct? So we then, as members individually of his body, we have portions of that anointing. But watch this. If you could get all the believers on the planet to come into agreement and unity... Guess what you would have? You would have that same spirit, Holy Spirit anointing without measure. Can you see why the devil fights so hard to keep believers fussing among one another? Because as long as people, as long as the Baptists aren't getting along with the charismatics, you know, and, 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 and so forth and fussing. And, and I could mention other denominations and so forth. As long as there's fussing going on among believers, you're never going to have that fullness of the spirit. But boy, if we could get in, in agreement and, and, and we're never going to agree on all the minor things of the word of God, but we can agree on who Jesus is. And if we could come and agree on who Jesus is, you'd get the fullness of the, of the power of God flowing. And you talk about getting people healed. That would be something, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? I think it would. Well, hopefully that helped. And then notice John fourteen twelve. John fourteen twelve. We've read this before, but it bears repetition. Jesus himself said. Speaking to his disciples, which are a representative group of you and me, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than than these will he do. Well, he's talking about the new birth there, the greater works, the new birth. Nobody got born again under Jesus's ministry here in the earth. You understand that. So the greater work would be the new birth because I go to my father. But, but the works that he did as we're studying about here in this series, he said himself we could do those works. Did he not? And, and we, that's what he said. Now, if he, if he wouldn't have said that, I wouldn't believe it. But he said it. And you know what? I've lived, I've lived some of it out. Over the last many, many, many years, over the last 25 years plus, I've lived it out in that and I, we've seen hundreds of people healed right here in this room over the last 25 years. Glory to God forevermore. So we've done some of these same works, but I didn't do a single one of them. It was the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I may not have the anointing uh, uh, full like Jesus had, but I can take the measure that God's given me and take it and help a lot of people. And so can you. Can you say Amen. All right. Now, let's go to Matthew, the eighth chapter, and let's pick back up. Did that help you? Was that helpful to you at all? I mean, it, 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 I know it's pretty theological, but, but that's okay. It's, it's, it's good to study the theology, you know, study of God. And, and it's good to know about Jesus, I think. But uh, uh, look here at Matthew eight fourteen. Now, watch this. Uh, uh, Jesus had just cast an unclean spirit out of a person there in the uh, in the synagogue and then he leaves we talked about it last week and then he leaves the synagogue and he goes over to Peter's house now you know what a lesson I learned here is we ought to have let me say it this way Jesus 
operated in the same power in the synagogue as he did over at Peter's house. Let me let me say it this this way to you. The same things that we flow in here inside these four walls, we need to take this outside these four walls and flow in the healing power of God, not just at church, but what about at Walmart? What about at Kmart? What about at Target? What about at Walgreens? What about over at the neighbor's house? Amen to that? See, uh, that, that, that... that, that's what impresses me about this as much as anything else. But look at here at verse 14, Matthew 8, 14. And when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Now watch this. He touched her hand and the fever left her. He touched her hand and the fever left her. And she rose and served them. Now... Matthew gives us that, but let's look at Luke's account of it. We'll get a little bit more. Luke 4, 38 and 39. Remember, you have to put Matthew, Mark, Luke and John together to get the full picture. So look here at, look here at Luke 4, 38. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. That's Peter's house. Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever. Now we get a little bit more here. Now watch this. They made request of him concerning her. Now, you learn something about Jesus right here. Uh, uh, Jesus didn't just go into somebody's house and start commanding things and, and saying, do this, do that, do the other. He didn't do anything until they asked him to. The Bible says you have not because you ask not, right? So you need to learn this about the Lord Jesus Christ is he's not pushy. He's not going to push himself off on anybody. You're going to have to invite him. You're going to have to ask him. He is a perfect gentleman. And he won't push himself off on anybody. He makes himself available to everybody. But he's not going to push himself off on anybody. You're going to have to humbly make request of him. And you notice here Jesus didn't do a, he didn't do a thing until they made request of him concerning her. Now watch this. So he stood over her and... Now what, is, what does Luke's account say? What did he do? He what he... Can you read? You can read. He what? And rebuked the fever. Now we saw in uh, Matthew's account, Matthew just said that he touched her hand, but let's put it all together. He comes in there. What did what happened? They made request of him. He went in and touched her hand. And then what did he do? He rebuked the what? The fever. Did Jesus speak to the fever? He spoke to the fever. Now, did he ask the Heavenly Father to do something about the fever? See, now this is where Christians again and again, I've watched it for decades, why they don't get healed. This is one reason. There's many, but this is one of them. They're asking God to do things. They're asking the Father to do things that that he's already done. He's already provided. And uh, they're asking God to do things that, that, that... when they shouldn't be doing that, they ought to rise up in the authority God's given them and speak to the sickness, speak to the disease themselves in the name of Jesus. Didn't Jesus say these signs will follow them that believe? And he talked about they'll cast out demons and among other things he said that believers will lay hands on the sick, they'll recover and so forth. And you study his life, you study his ministry, you study the New Testament, you see that he's given us authority to rebuke the devil. The Bible talks about rebuking the devil in the name of Jesus steadfastly in the faith. And one reason that Christians don't get healed is they're standing there begging God to do something about the sickness and disease. And God's already done all he's going to do about it. Jesus bore our sickness and carried our disease. So it's not a matter really of asking God to do something. I mean, why would you ask God to do something he's already done, he's already provided? No, you have to appropriate it. So what you do is, when sickness, disease hits your body, you speak to it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and command it to leave your body. And that's what Jesus did here. He came in, they made request uh, 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 of him. He then, he's our example, he touched her hand, he rebuked the fever, it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. 
So we learn something else here. And you see this again and again, that people that got set free under Jesus's ministry, they arose and she arose and served him. You see it again and again. I preached a message one time, uh, uh, saved to serve. You know, there's a lot of people and I've watched it. I've seen so many of them over the years come in here. They have sickness. Now, now, now they don't have time for God until sickness hits their body. Then all of a sudden they've got time for God and thank God they, they finally they do turn to him and God's merciful and gracious. But I've had them come in here over the years. They're living their life, going along just fine. Sickness hits their body. All of a sudden now they need help. They come in here and, uh, and, and, and uh, they want to come in, have us lay hands on them. They want to get zapped by the healing power of God so that they can go right back out and continue living their life as before. It doesn't work that way. You see it again and again when people were touched by the Lord Jesus Christ, when people were healed by his power, uh, you know, by the power of the Holy Ghost. Again and again, those people, they didn't want to go back doing their own thing. They wanted to serve him and be with him and stay with him. Can anybody say amen to that? I know if Jesus is good enough to heal me, I ought to be good enough to serve him the rest of my life. You see it again and again, people will hear a message preached on hell. They get fearful. They'll walk to the altar. And they'll want to just miss hell, so to speak. And I want to miss hell. But they don't really sell their hearts out to the Lord. They just want to get their ticket punched to heaven. But they want to then they'll go out. There's no change in their life. They just keep living like they've always lived, cussing like they've always cussed, getting drunk like they've always got drunk, running around sexually promiscuous like they've all, however you say that, promiscuity like they've always done. There's no change. Those people, as far as I can tell, they didn't get born again. There's no change in their life. No, when you, you know how you know you get saved? You know you get saved when there's a change in your life. Right? Absolutely. And the same thing's true when you get healed. You know, what did, what did the mother-in-law want to do here? Did she want to go back? Did she want to go in and start watching days of our lives? The world as the world turns. Is that what she wanted to do? Huh? Go out to the racetrack? Is that, is that what she... <laughs> or go out to the Roman, Roman... I wonder if she was a gambler. I don't think she was. Come on, guys. I try to be funny every once in a while. It, 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 laugh by faith, okay? Thank you. No, what did she do immediately? What did she want to do? She wanted to go do serve. She wanted to serve. Now, notice here in Matthew, the 8th chapter. Let's go to Matthew, the 8th chapter. We're just going through every last one of Jesus' healing miracles. Notice here. Now, this is the one I'd like to have been, been in on. I think I'd like to have been in on this one until I showed up and saw the crazy wild stuff that was coming to Jesus. Uh, people howling at the moon, so to speak. Crazy, demon possessed. I remember I went and saw a person in a uh, mental institution many, many years ago. Was a, uh, was a church member uh, back many, many years ago. Many way back. And uh, I went here in St. Louis to see this guy in a mental institution. Now, I'm not laughing because he was in a mental institution. I'm laughing because of what happened. So I'm in there talking to him and him and I are sitting there, you know. And all of a sudden I hear this blood curdling, crazy, wild screaming. What I could tell down at the end of one of the halls. There were several halls and we were sitting there, you know, in the in the congregating area. And there was a blood curdling. I mean, like howling at the moon, crazy scream, blood curdling. And, you know, that'll get your attention when you particularly when you're sitting in a, in a mental institution. You know, what's always thrown me off about going to a mental institution. The people that are really crazy don't bother me so much. It's the ones that'll sit there and they'll talk to you and they'll be just as sane as you and me. And all of a sudden, you know, they're not. I'll tell you about another one I went to. <clears throat> I don't want you all to think we got a bunch of insane people in our church. <laughs> this is over 25 years, but I went to one to see another person. 
And I'm standing there. I go in, check my credentials and all of that. And I'm standing there and this lady walks up to me. And uh, she's, she's, she's telling me how uh, she was a, 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 you know, a worker there and that she was one of the phys- physician's assistants and was just going on and on and I'm just buying right into it. I thought, wow, this lady's pretty sharp. She's, you know, she's, she's, she's one of the doctors around here, one of the nurse, nurse chief practitioners. And then just, just right, it snapped just like that. And she, she starts talking about me, how she just, to me about how she just landed from Mars, you know, and that she was a Martian and that she was down. <laughs> so what are, you, what are you talking about? I mean, that's what freaks me out, you know. And people, you think they're just as sane as you and me, but you find out they're just crazy as, as the devil himself. It's just, but anyway, I'm sitting there with this, seeing this other guy and this blood curdling, blood crazy curdling. And, and, and I'm sitting there, you know, it's got my full attention and I, you can hear it getting closer and closer and closer. And finally, when it, when when she cleared, it was it was a lady. She was probably a, all of about maybe maybe 70 pounds, 75 pounds. And she, when, the, when she cleared the hallway and there, there she is and her hair's all messed up. She had one of those gowns on. Her eyes just, just crazy, you know what I mean, glassed over and screaming and yelling. And there were four big, huge orderlies, men, big guys. And they were having a time. They were doing all they could to contain this lady. I mean, you, I, I, there was no question demons involved because superhuman strength. I mean, we'll see that as we go with the maniac of Gadara. And so uh, we'll see that probably next week. But, but they're having a dickens of a time to constrain this lady. And so they got, she's got them down there at the end of the hall and, and she comes out. And when she comes out, she fastens her eyes right on me. I thought, oh, my gosh. And her eyes are fastened right on me, right on me. And I'm thinking, why me? <laughs> why, why me? And she's got her eyes right on me. And so there, and then she, she's coming for me. And there's, there's these, there's these uh, sofas there, you know. And so we're sitting down. And, and so finally, uh, 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 me and this other guy, well, well I stood up and, and she's trying to get at me. And these four big men they're big guys, they, and, and she's just to, really kind of toying with them. And finally, finally, she breaks away from them. And guess who she heads for? Well, she's, she heads for the man full of faith and power, you know. And just about the time she gets to me, you want to know what I did when that woman got to me? You want me to tell you what I did when she got to me? I, I jumped over the couch and ran for... <laughs> It ran for the door. <laughs> well, you want me to tell you the truth, don't you? I jumped that couch. I mean, I could have been in the Olympics, you know, as a hurdle, hurdle guy. Because I jumped that couch and ran over to the door. And uh, finally, the orderlies got her. And you want me to tell you the truth, don't you? And they took her back down the hall. And uh, so I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed in front of the church member because I should have rebuked that thing. But we'll see how good you do in that situation. We'll put you in there and see how good you do. So I should have rebuked it. I was younger then. (laughs) Blame it on youth. But anyway, so I said to the I said to the church member, I said, because he had attended, before he attended here, he had attended a church with a man that I really looked up to. And this man was, and I still look up to him, and, but this man was really a man of faith and power. And I said to the church member, I said, I'm so sorry that I, that I ran from that situation. I said, uh, that other fella that uh, you used to go to his church, he wouldn't have done what I did. And this guy knew this other the preacher really well. I said he'd never done what I did. I, I was I was ashamed. And uh, he said, "No, Pastor Terry, he wouldn't have done what you did. He did not only jump the couch, but he'd have ran out the door and down the hall." So it made me feel it made me feel a little bit better, you know. You know, it, it's one thing to say what we do. You don't know what you do. 
until you're in that situation. I said, you don't know what you do until you're in that situation. And uh, but I tell you what, I've made a decision in my heart not to run from another one of them. I've made a decision in my heart. If I could go back and do that over again, when she came at me, I would have I would have rebuked the thing. Not her, but the demon or demons. I'll tell you something else and we'll teach you this as we go. You say, well, Pastor Terry, just rebuke the thing. Well, let me tell you this. You can't get a demon out of somebody if they don't want the demon out. And I don't know enough about that situation. She might have wanted to be delivered. She might not have wanted to be. I don't know. I, I just had that brief encounter with her. But you see, I tell these stories. And you say, well, why would you tell that kind of a story? Why don't you just tell all of the successful ones? Well, I'll answer that for you. You look into the Bible... You see Bible characters. One reason that you can know among, among many other reasons why the Bible is true. Think about David. Remember when he wrote that Psalm of Repentance? Why would he want to let anybody know that he ever had to repent? See, you look in the Bible, you don't see just the good things listed about people. You see their downfalls too. Is that right? So if all I do is stand up here and tell you all the times that we cast... Last week I told you how I cast a demon out of a few people. Is that right? Now this week I tell you how I ran from one. I hope if nothing else, else that helps authenticate my ministry. I'm just as human as anybody else. But we'll do our best never to run from another one. Can you say amen? amen? And next time I'll take you along with me. And in case I do, we'll see how, in case I jump the couch, we'll see how well you do. Okay, let's finish this up and we'll be dismissed. Look at this, Matthew eight sixteen. And when evening had come, they brought, real loud say they brought. They brought. Say it again, real loud. They brought, they brought who brought? Uh, the people that, had heard of Jesus. They brought to him many who were demon possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Now I told you before, I'll tell you again, if there is a demon involved causing a sickness, you're going to have to get the demon out before you can get the person healed. But notice he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Now notice it said when evening had come, have you ever seen uh, people that, that struggle mentally at sundown? They tend to get a lot worse. It's called, I think, sundown syndrome. Now this is the one I'd like to go on to, this, this particular one, because I think Jesus saw some things in here, the disciples saw some th things in here that would make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. People demon-possessed, growling, foaming at the mouth, convulsing, all of those sorts of things. Now let's read Mark's account of it. Mark 1.32 at evening. See, there it is. When the sun had set. Has anybody ever heard of sundown syndrome beside me? All you have to do is go into some of these uh, nursing homes. The people that, that battle mental situations. A lot of times it's sundown. And they get worse. And so this must have been some kind of a thing that Jesus was dealing with here. Multitudes of people, demon-possessed, crazy, nuts, you know, all of that because of the demons and so forth and the sick people. Now, now you got to realize, too, when you go to a nursing home and those people that I just talked about, most of those, there's not demons involved. You need to understand that. It's just their mind because of of, you know, the fall of man and all of that. They're, there's not demons there. They're just dealing with dementia. They're dealing with uh, 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 Alzheimer's, those kinds of things. Now, sometimes a demon might be involved, but often it isn't. But when evening sun had set, they brought, say it again, they brought. To him all who were sick and who were demon possessed and the whole city was gathered together at the door when he'd healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. Well, who wants to, who wants to talk to the devil? I sure don't. 
Now look at Luke 4, verse 40. Let's look at Luke's account. We got Matthew, Mark. Look at this. When the sun was setting. So you see how it keeps mentioning the sun setting? This would have been one I would have liked to have been at. All those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Now we see he laid his hands on every one of them. Jesus had time for people, didn't he? Every one of them. And the demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them. Did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Interesting, isn't it? But what I want to leave you with is this. They brought. Real out one more time. Say they brought. They brought. Now listen, they brought. We're going to see uh, in an upcoming session... Remember when those four guys took their paralytic friend up on the roof and, and tore the roof off and lowered him down? They brought that guy. They brought, they what, they what? They brought that guy to Jesus. And they lowered him down. And Jesus, the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith. Now, I want to leave you with this. Now, listen carefully. We oftentimes, and the Spirit of God's been dealing with me strongly this week on this point right here. And we'll close with this. You know, many times I've stood in this pulpit and I've taught, you know, how you can know whether or not you're in faith. How you can know whether or not you're in faith. And we've taught on this subject many times over the years, but I've never said what I'm about to say from this pulpit. So I think you need to hear it. One of, not the only, but one of the best ways that you can know whether or not you are in faith That you're living by faith. Because a lot of times people say, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. And there's many different things we can talk about as it pertains to faith. But this is powerful. I'm going to say it again. The Spirit of God's just been ringing this in my heart all week long. This is one of the ways that you and I can know whether or not we really do have faith is this right here. Are we bringing people on a regular basis to the Lord Jesus Christ? Now that's a rhetorical statement. You think about that. Anybody on social media, whatever you think about it. How many people have you told about Jesus during this last week? Whether it's on social media or in person. How many people have you or me communicated the gospel with in some way during this last week. That's one reason we encourage you to share these messages because when you're sharing these messages on Facebook and and whatnot, it's a form of of, uh, showing your faith that you're trying to get people to the gospel message. But how many people, and this is not to put anybody down, this is just to examine ourselves. How many people have you told in the last week, the last month, the last year about Jesus, about his saving power, about his healing power? How many people have you told? Are you doing that regularly? Because you see, if you're not, the Bible says that you don't have faith. Sobering, isn't it? Well, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, we could do a lot of hearing, all right. And that's one way to, you know. We could have faith and all that much we could say, but how many people are we bringing to Jesus? Do we see it again and again in his healing ministry? They brought, they brought to him, 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 they brought to him. Jesus' healing ministry wouldn't have been what it was if there hadn't been the they broughters. They brought, they brought, they brought, they brought, they brought, they brought to him, they brought to him, they brought to him, they brought to him. I call them the unsung heroes of the of the New Testament. We don't know their names, but they're, they're they. They brought, they brought. And Jesus, he said, when he saw their faith. See, you can know whether or not you have faith by, are you bringing people to Christ? Are you doing everything you can to get them to the saving power and the healing power of the Lord Jesus? And in the hour in which we live, it's really easy because all you have to do is go to your mouse and take this sermon that will be up on Facebook. And all you got to do is click share. That's all you got to do. <laughs> Pretty easy, isn't it? But you know, I found folks don't want to do, <laughs> do that. 
Well, when folks don't want to do that, what have they just said? They don't have any faith. Is that right? Well, you know it's right. Well, if, uh, if the shoe fits, wear it. And if it doesn't, well, then you're doing a good job. But, hey, I didn't say that to put anybody down. I just said that to, hey, if you're not doing it, hey, come on, let's get with it. I've even had to, I've been up in my share in this last week, you know, and, uh, and I need to do it. I've been, I hadn't done it as I should. And, but I'm doing it more, bless God, because I want to show my faith, you know. How do we know if somebody has faith? By their actions. Is that right? Uh, faith without corresponding action is dead. So let's all uh, get on there. And those listening on, hey, you're listening on Facebook. If you got something out of this, hey, share it with your friends. Let's, let's get this gospel message out to as many people as we can. Can you say amen? All right, stand with me if you would. If, if you're listening there on social media, I want you... To ask yourself a question. If you were to die right now, where would you go? Would you go to heaven? Would you go to hell? Well, let me give you some good news. You don't have to go to hell. You can miss hell. You can make heaven. And here's how you do it. You repent of your sins. That means you turn from, away from your sins. And you just invite Jesus to come in to your heart. And we're going to pray a congregational prayer with you. And uh, you pray this. And if you mean it from your heart, Jesus will change your life. You'll get born again. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. So just everybody, let's just bow, bow our heads and I'm going to have the congregation pray this after me and you pray it there on social media. If you've never received Jesus, uh, you need to do it. You need to miss hell, make heaven and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. Let's all say this together. Say God in heaven, come to you in Jesus name. I know I can't save myself. So I turn to you, O God, and right now I receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe in my heart that he died on the cross for me, that he was buried, and that he rose from the dead, and I confess him right now as my Lord and Savior. Jesus, take control of my life and do something good with it. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. So if you did that, hey, let us know at the information that's around me on the screen. Let us know. Contact us. Send us an email. Let us know. Praise God. Okay, you can turn that off. God bless you.